0: Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we adore you. I pray today that we would encounter you, the man who was risen from the dead. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. Please be seated. So if we haven't met yet, I'm Pastor Rick. Um, Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, if, if we haven't met, please do fill out a connection card in the back of your bulletin. You can tear it off and stick it in the blue um, bin at the back of the service, or if you're online, you can, um, I think there's like a connection button <laughs> somewhere on our website, at least down at the bottom. there's a, I know there's, for a fact there's a connect button down there, and uh, I'd, I'd love to chat with you at some point over this week, um, hear more of your story, answer any questions you might have about the church. Uh, Also, kids who are here today, thank you for being here. Welcome. Uh, We're we're delighted that children are here with us today. How do you see yourself, kids, how do you see yourself in that story that I just read from John's gospel? The the story of, of the fishermen fishing out, casting Or casting out their nets, pulling up nothing, uh, and then having breakfast with Jesus. Where do you see yourself in that story? You know, maybe you you feel the weariness of the disciples. Um, Maybe you see the the shock uh, when they realize who Jesus is. Or maybe you feel your belly full with fish and bread as you enjoy a meal with Jesus. So where do you see yourself in this story? So over the past few weeks, Oh, and I would invite you to draw that. Uh, I forgot to mention that, but uh, find an empty page in your bulletin or, or maybe your uh, worship journal and feel free to draw a picture of where you see yourself in this story with Jesus. So after the, or over the past few weeks, we have been looking at resurrection encounters that Jesus has with his disciples, with his beloved friends. And every time he sees one of them, every time he he appears to some of his friends, he teaches them something. There's like a a new lesson to be gleaned here from this passage. Um, Whether it's the women at the tomb whose cries of despair Jesus transforms into shouts of laughter, or whether it's the men on the road to Emmaus who have these confused questions about what in the world has just happened, Jesus transformed those into purposeful direction. Jesus is always transforming lives. Meeting a man from the dead will transform your life. And we believe that even today, Jesus Christ is transforming lives. That we experience Jesus through the fellowship and the service of his people. That we experience him through the opening of the word and through the breaking of the bread at the table. We experience the living Christ and sometimes he even visits us in supernatural, miraculous ways through visions and dreams. We hope for and expect that and, and long for those moments. And he visits his people quite powerfully through the presence of his Holy Spirit. Jesus continues throughout the ages, generation after generation, to transform lives of men, women, and children over and over again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So today, we're going to be looking at John's story from the gospel. This is a story that, again, is just days after the resurrection. Uh, Right now, which, by the way, we we celebrate the resurrection feast for like 50 days. Uh, And so we we have a few more weeks left in it. Um, So this story happens shortly after the resurrection. And at this point, the disciples, they don't quite yet have the full picture of what their mission looks like. They've seen Jesus on two other occasions, but they haven't yet been commissioned to go out into the world baptizing uh, and and teaching and and, and making more disciples. They have not yet received that mission to do that. And so they've met Jesus, they love Jesus, but they're not quite sure what the next step is. They're filled with passion, but they don't yet have a defined purpose. And maybe you feel yourself in that same sort of situation. Maybe you know Jesus, maybe you love Jesus, but now you're at this crossroads in your life. You're trying to figure out, what is this next step in my life? Maybe this pandemic has caused you to reassess a lot of life's decisions, and so you see yourself at a crossroads. Or maybe over this course of this pandemic, or maybe because of events completely unrelated to the pandemic, you have had these new discoveries in your life that quite honestly you find very scary. Maybe there's news you received from the doctor um, over the, even the last couple of weeks or so that have turned your life completely upside down. And so it's probably not too much of a stretch of the imagination to say that in some ways it feels like you're fishing in the dark. You're fishing in the midnight, uh, or uh, in a dark midnight, a cold night. You can feel the wind sort of blowing over you, and you're chilled, and you're wondering, "Is, is Jesus even aware of my situation right now? Can he even see me right now? Maybe you yourself feel like you are in that sort of situation right now, where you're pulling these nets up time after time again, and every single time you pull up a net, there's no fish in it. It's completely empty. Well, let's look through this passage. We're going to move through it in quick, or in three movements, and let's see what Jesus has for me and for you this morning in this text. So, the disciples are here in Galilee, which if you're paying close attention to the Gospels, that, that might be a little surprising to you because they've, the other encounters, the other stories uh, in the Gospel, the disciples are in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus was crucified. That's where he first started to appear to people. And now, They're in Galilee. What we learn from Mark's gospel that Jesus had actually asked them to leave Jerusalem and go into Galilee and to wait for him there, to wait for him. And so here they are. They're in Galilee. They're being obedient to Jesus' instruction, but it's not clear what they should do next. So finally, Peter, I can imagine him just sort of kicking the sand or kicking the rocks into the the water. He says, you know what? Let's, Let's go fishing. Who's with me? And they all pile into a boat and head out onto the lake. So I actually think that there's a pretty simple lesson for us here, even in Peter's action. You see, Jesus' friends, like I've been saying, they don't know what to do next. They're sort of standing in this tension at this moment, having completed step one, go to Galilee, and yet not receiving step two, which who knows what that is. And so they don't really know what exactly to do, and so what what do they decide to do in this moment? Well, they do what is necessary. They do what they've been trained to do. They go fishing. They do their job. This isn't them being idle. This is them doing their vocation, stepping into their work, acting out of their, their training. They're now seeking to make a living here, to earn a wage, to provide for their loved ones. So without compromising their obedience, they take Initiative. And it is exactly in this moment that Jesus meets them. And so maybe you feel stuck right now. Maybe you feel like you have been obedient to the Lord in various things. But you look around and you're wondering, what is next in my life? So my question then for you is, well, what has God placed immediately before you? Who are the people that He has put immediately before you? What are the jobs that He's already given you? to do. And how can you be obedient to those things? How can you be responsible to those things which are already right in front of you, already immediately in front of you? Maybe that means simply showing up at work and doing a good job. Maybe it means taking care of your family. Maybe it means in the midst of all of that, continuing to pray to the Lord obediently and faithfully for a revelation of what that next step would be. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that If you're obedient, then uh, eventually Jesus will appear and your nets will be overflowing. That's that's not always a promise of Scripture. Obedience doesn't always mean full nets. Obedience sometimes means picking up your cross and follow after me, to, to die daily to me. That's sometimes, that is what obedience looks like. You see, the disciples, they had to go through a long, cold, dark night there out on the lake. It was hard work with zero fruit zero fruit. So your constant obedience might not be rewarded with that promotion that you're seeking after. It might not be rewarded with that healing that you are hoping for. But God's promise is that his eyes will never leave you, that his presence will be with you, that he will give you others in your boat to work with you, to be together, and you'll have that fellowship. So my charge to you is to keep fishing, Keep pushing on, brothers and sisters, to stay faithful to Christ even in the midst of of uncertainty. Be obedient to him because Jesus has his eyes on you. And it's here in this tension of obedience and hope that we discover that the story is not yet over and Jesus does reveal himself. So what happens next? What happens when we're confused and lost but also obedient and hopeful? Well, let's find out. Jesus does show up. He does show up. He's been there all along. You kind of get the impression. He's standing there on the shore and he's watching the disciples. You can see that he's been watching them, perhaps all night long. And then he gives them new instructions. And not just any instructions, but he gives them instructions with a promise. He says, children, cast your net out on the other side of the boat, on the right side of the boat. And then comes the promise. And you will find some. You will. And sure enough, they haul in the largest catch of fish they have ever seen. So, here, after a night of emptiness, they, have, they now have so many fish in their boat that the boat begins to sink. Imagine the surprise and the shock and the laughter that is emitting from that boat. I'm sure everyone else on the lake is like, what is going on over there? I want what they have. Like it was a huge holy rumbling, right? And what they see here is that they discover that Jesus Christ is the Lord of creation. That he meets his friends even at the point of failure and misery. He meets them even in those moments and he cares for them. Now the story could end here. But it turns out that Jesus is not done blessing his friends. He has a feast prepared for them. And so they come ashore, and they discover that there is breakfast already set for them. Fresh fish and fresh bread. As I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, quoting a scholar, Jesus seems to always be eating his way through the Gospels. And here we go again. Jesus is eating his way through the Gospels and inviting others to eat with him. And he also dignifies the disciples by asking them to contribute what they brought in, their miraculous catch. And so they bring their fish as well. And now we officially have a resurrection feast taking place. What would it have been like to be there? What would have been the laughter that was just pouring out from that group? What sort of stories were they telling to one another as the sun was rising up and starting to warm their bodies back up? By now, I'm sure they were just saturated with... um, satisfaction and fulfillment at what was happening. I'm sure they were even saying to Jesus, Jesus, when when we were out there fishing, boy, we were hoping that you were going to show up. We were really feeling stuck out there. We're so glad that you're here now. But also, did you catch the language that was used in this passage? This is a sacramental moment as well. The passage tells us that Jesus took bread and he gave it to them. That's a Eucharistic clue right there, cue telling us that this is a moment that is meant to remind us of what we do every week here at the table. This is a beautiful, sacramental, remembering moment that is happening here in this passage. No doubt, as they're eating this abundant meal, they're reminded of other meals that they've had with Jesus. They're reminded of when they were first called as disciples several years ago. And they're reminded of that miraculous catch when Jesus again brought to them many, many fish. Or maybe some of them are thinking about that abundant, um, the abundance of wine that they saw at that wedding feast in Cana. Or maybe they're reminding the, the abundance of bread that they saw when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. Or maybe they're reminded of that last meal that they had with Jesus before he was betrayed and handed over to the authorities. In which they shared bread and Jesus said... This is my body given for you, or many, many other more meals. You see, this isn't just a story about Jesus blessing those disciples, uh, although, yes, we do see that, but this is, and this also isn't just about connecting what we do with the table, with what Jesus does, although, yes, we see that. What we see here in this meal is that this meal is a preview of eternal glory, this truly is a kingdom of God moment in which the kingdom is breaking forth onto that beach that morning, and it's meant to remind us that there will be a day in which you and I, brothers and sisters, will also share meals with Jesus, and we'll be able to see him face-to-face with no masks on or anything like that, or no pretensions, or, or no shame or guilt plugging us anymore. We'll be able to have a meal face-to-face with Jesus, laughing and telling stories of of victory and defeat and, and, and all of the other amazing, beautiful things that he does for us. There will be a day in which, he, it, which we will be telling stories over those meals of the trials in which Jesus has defeated. The ways in which he's fully redeemed an entire world. There will be a day in which heaven and earth fully come together again. All sin and darkness and death will be cast away. And meals like this that we read about, these will be a common experience with choice meat, with beautiful bread, with fantastic wine. All of this will be very, very common. You see, this isn't just a a story of the past. This is a prophetic vision into the future. Jesus transforms our empty nets into an abundant feast. So Amber, I'm really glad that you were able to come and and be with us today because I I hear your story. I, I hear like what, what you're doing at the Black Butterfly House. And, and I see this story in it as well. You see, you were, you were vulnerable this morning and, and you shared some of the struggles that you yourself and some of the other women are, are having there. And these, this is a house where lives are transformed. It's a home where, where people are gathering and they're sharing stories of empty nets, shall we say. A time of fishing in the dark. Of feeling like they're alone. But now... There's meals being shared with one another. This is a place where women are seeking to be obedient to their calling of God while also figuring out what's going to be next for my life with this holy anticipation of Jesus will meet me, he's brought me thus far, and he will continue to carry me even further down the road. So this house, this house that that you're a part of, is a place where, where we see the embodiment of the presence of Christ where people are meeting Jesus through the studying of word, through fellowship and service to one another, through common worship, and also at times around a meal. So like today's story, they're gathering around for meals together where they share these kinds of stories of God's abundance and love. It is a house of resurrection. So I pray that all of us here in this room, as we think about the places where we work, as we think about our own homes, May we also be similar, may we all have similar stories or similar places where we gather around meals and tell these stories and and share the resurrection power of our Lord with those who God has placed in our path. May all of us be stirred to do the same. Please pray with me. Jesus Christ, it so often feels like this life is, is fishing throughout the night, drawing up empty nets. Lord, we desire to be faithful to your instructions. I pray, Lord, that as we experience your abundance and goodness and grace, may we in turn look for those in our lives who you've, you've placed before us, where we, can, where we can share that, Lord. Where we can be um, just reflections of your grace and your mercy with those whose lives are closely linked with ours. And so, Lord, we look forward to the day in which you will restore all things into the fullness of your beauty and love. But in the meantime, Lord Jesus, use us to proclaim your abundance of your love and your grace. We ask all these things, Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.